Without further ado, we are going to kick off. If you missed any of The Struggle is Real, I would encourage you to go back to the podcast or the website to catch it. Um, Jeremy spoke on, he kicked it off with the idea of languish, moving from languishing to flourishing, and then fear to faith. And so this week, I have the honor to bring a topic that all of us can relate to, and that is to move from anxiety to peace. And anybody else with me that we all have a little bit of worry and anxiety that's been weighing us down the past couple years and then some. So um, actually, the American Psychological Association does a survey every year. And so in 2020, essentially what they found was that on top of all the normal life stressors, what happened was a pandemic. <laughs> so on top of that, what happened is they ended up labeling uh, 2020 as a national health, mental health crisis. And then in 2021, they did the same survey, and what they found was that one in three, so look around, three people on your row, that one person is experiencing deliberating, meaning like, I can't make basic decisions because of the stress and the anxiety and the uncertainty of what the pandemic in the last two years has brought. That's pretty sobering. And so as a church and as the people of God, it is time, church, to call us to address this issue. And what we're going to do is we're going to look to God's word on what he says about what it means to have peace, shalom, in the middle of every circumstance. You excited? <laughs> Hopefully we'll get, a, we'll get a few tips from God's word here. And here's the good news, church. It's not, aren't you glad you came to church today? Not to tell you what you already know, but to, but to help shift our perspective. That here's the good news. We serve a God who is fully man and fully God. He was both. And that he can identify with our struggle. I don't know about you, but that is so encouraging to my soul that I serve a God who understands what it is to be human and what it means to suffer inside with chronic worry and stress and anxiety. In fact, Hebrews 4.15 says it this way, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted in this way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The key word is weakness. Does anybody like to be weak? I know I don't, right? Um, and it's actually in this place of weakness when we realize and we're able to recognize the, the weight that stress and anxiety and worry can bring, and we say, Jesus, we need your help. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look to God's word and scripture in Luke 10, verse 38 through 48. We're going to look at the story of two sisters, Martha and Mary, and their interactions with Jesus. So before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you. What an honor and a privilege it is, Father, to open your word together. May we never take it for granted, God, that we can look to your word, Father, to give us hope, to give us peace. Father, even in the midst of a global pandemic, Father, we thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. I thank you that you have a way to get to the root of the issue. I thank you that you, get to, you, you have a way of getting to our hearts, God, in a way that only you can. I thank you that your loving, that your loving kindness leads us to repentance. So we ask today that this word would read us. 
God, I pray that this word will become tangible and practical in every situation and circumstance represented today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on, the louder you are, if you talk back to me, I know that might be a little different for you, but this is going to be a lot more fun if you do that. And it actually helps lower my anxiety. Can, we, can you help me with that? Can you help me with that? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, we're going to start in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, right there, we know Martha's a bold lady. Who tells Jesus? Who yells at Jesus, right? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are actually needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be, not be taken from her. Now, here's a couple things we know about Martha. Martha, a lot of commentators and scholars actually believe her to be the oldest, and so you can see, even in this scripture, you can see kind of her behavior. You think, okay, she's probably the oldest, right, of the bunch. We see some characteristics like maybe some perfectionism going on, some over-responsibility. She kind of assumes that role of boss lady. Can you go with me for a second? And she has, you know, some natural leadership tendencies. And that's what we call it in our house because we have some strong people, little people in my house. And so what we, we redefine it and we say, oh, God, we can't wait to see how you kind of shape this and mold it. And, and, and these are going to be strong leaders, right? So we call it leadership potential, okay? So maybe that was for somebody in the room who's raising a strong-willed child. Now, as much fun as it is to plan a party or to plan to have a dinner party, to have people over, there comes a, a level of stress and some anxiety that can come with it, especially if a special guest like Jesus is showing up, right? And so there's a little bit of that going on already that's pretty natural, but we see that it kind of gets to Martha in this, in this chapter. In fact, we also know that not all stress and anxiety is bad, right? There's a term called eustress, which is actually good stress, right? A little bit of stress is actually where bodies are meant to be able to handle and to cope with it because we know we need it to finish the exam or to go to the interview or push, you know, get that report done on a deadline or, you know, those types of things. Like, actually, some stress is actually good. And then on the other side, anxiety can be good, right? We know last week it actually, a little bit, not a lot, not chronic anxiety, that's not what we're talking about, but a little bit can, can be helpful also because we know that it actually triggers your amygdala and we know that's your fight or flight response. So if your kid runs out in the street, right, you got to react. You don't even think. You just react with this burst of energy to go grab your child or if somebody swerves over in your lane, right, that is God's built-in protection mechanism, right? The problem actually becomes when it becomes prolonged, right? Our body can actually handle small doses. But what do you do when chronic stress and anxiety, like, like a global pandemic or things like that, nothing we would know anything about, doesn't go away, right? And we actually thought, oh, this would be like a couple months, and we're now into year three, right? And so we kind of have to take a look at the circumstances and situations. So if you've been feeling a little tired and you are exhausted from decision-making and 
all the uncertainty. You are not alone. Not only does research affirm it, but we have a way out. And that's the good news, church. And that's what I want to unpack from, Mary, from Martha and Mary's story here today. Because God's hope in heart is that we would all be optimally functioning how God has made us, right? Not too much stress, not too much anxiety, but it in its rightful place because that's what it means to be human, right? John 14, 27 says it this way. This is what God promises us. He says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The world tries to create situation, trying to, to create peace by control, right? Situ controlling circumstances and situations. But Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Church, Jesus wants us to know that even in the midst of a global pandemic, which doesn't take him by surprise, he wants our hearts not to be troubled and weighed down by the weight of it all. And that he says, do not be afraid, because he's already overcome. And his heart for us is that we would thrive even in the middle of situations and circumstances that aren't, aren't really comfortable. In fact, the first thing we have to do is we're going to have to stop doing some things and start doing some things. Jeremy talked about it last week. There's a psych psychology term called cognitive behavioral therapy. And essentially what it means is you've got to understand what are you thinking because those thinking that what you think actually affects the way that you feel. And what you feel actually impacts the way you act. And so what we see here with Martha is she's feeling a little overwhelmed and she's feeling a little stressed out. And what does she do? She yells at Jesus, right? So we can, we can assume she's undergoing a little bit of internal turmoil. So the first thing that we have to decide to do is to stop over-functioning, if you're taking notes, that's point number one, and start optimally functioning. You may say, Christina, how do we do that? We're going to look to, we're going to dig in here. Martha was, in verse 40, says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was focused on taking that toothbrush and making sure that she's scrubbing the floors, right? She's getting down the, the china out of her china cabinet that she hasn't used in a really long time, right? She's going the extra mile to make sure that every, every detail is perfect, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? You know, this word distraction actually means to pull away from the main thing. To pull away from the main thing. And it makes you wonder, like, what was Martha? Was she, like, going over the top here? What was happening, right? What, what was happening to her? I know it's never happened to any, any of you, for sure. Where you have wrapped yourself around the axle, right? Because everything has to be so perfect, right? And we see here that, you know, I just wonder if Jesus is saying like, hey, you know what? Like, paper goods will do. Like, really, you could, you could pull out the plastic forks. Um, and actually, like, maybe it would be okay if you just called Uber, Uber Eats. And it would be completely okay because I would rather your non-anxious presence being present with me in conversation than you to be wound up so tight. And, you know, we often get wound up really tight over things that just don't really matter. And we are unaware of what's going on the inside of us. In fact, the term over-functioning 
from Psychology Today actually defines it this way, where one person habitually takes too much responsibility for ensuring the smooth functioning of relationships or tasks or systems or processes. So I'm going to give you a quick self-assessment. And, and before you elbow your spouse or you elbow a friend and you're like, she's talking to you, hold up, don't go there yet, okay, just hold on. Here's your self-assessment. Do you assume more responsibility than is reasonably yours? Do you do things for others that they can and should do for themselves? Check. Do you worry about other people excessively? Check. Do you feel responsible for others and their behaviors or outcomes that aren't yours to bear? All the mamas and daddies said, yeah, yeah. You know, for some of you, either you came to mind, you're like guilty as charged, right? Or for some of you, you're like, yeah, that's, that's my spouse, totally. Or that's my friend, that's my sister, you fill in the blank. But here's the other side of that. So this is one continuum. If, if this is a continuum of functioning, optimal functioning is right where we are designed to be. But over-functioning is taking too much responsibility, which leads to anxiety and worry and just isn't pleasant. And then on the other side, for all of those who thought you were off the hook, there's a term called under-functioning. And under-functioning is basically withdraw. Whoa, this is too much, right? You kind of tap out <laughs> and you just don't show up. And the root of it is the same because... We're, it's, it's, it's a result of over-worry, over-stress, over-anxiety, and so it's your response, it's your protection mechanism. We either withdraw, some people withdraw, and some people overproduce. And God, God's actually saying, hey, 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 let's come to the middle, right? Let's, let, let's come to this place because the reality is I've made you just the way you are. Martha, I have made you like bar boss lady, okay? And over here, I've made you to be a little bit more relaxed and easygoing. And the truth of the matter is God is somewhere in the middle because he's made us both, right? And so there's something we can learn here as we continue to dig in here. In fact, in order to optimally function, it is really important that we are building muscle. So I turned 40 this year, which I can now say without like holding my breath. And one, and, and so when I, had ha when I had Abby, who was our third child, um, I, as you can imagine, my muscles were not bouncing back quite like they had done before. So I'd gone to a trainer at the time, and he's like, look, I'm sorry, but, like, it's a downward spiral from here, and you're going to have to, like, start building muscles. And I'm like, you are so not encouraging, and I rebuke you, right? Like, I'm like, shh, you have nothing nice to say, don't talk to me. <laughs> And, um, and so essentially what I did hear him say once I calmed down, my amygdala calmed down and he wasn't a threat anymore, I was like, okay, here's the facts. Christina, you are aging. Here's another fact. You need to build more muscle. And so we're going to have to find the right weight that doesn't hurt you but also pushes your muscles. And so I have a little illustration. And so I opted for not wearing my spiky heels even though I do have a little bit of a heel on. So I'm going to do my best not to hurt myself. And... When I, I was very comfortable, and I was in this group fitness class, and I was very comfortable with my typical overhead press, okay? I felt really good. I'm like, I feel a little burn, but it's not too hard. I'm good. And then the problem was, 
he, the, the trainer asked everybody, he says, all right, we're going to try something called a, a half, like a half knee shoulder press. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, no problem. I got this, right? Because I'm 40 and I got this. And, um, and so I, I go down to start doing it and I'm, I'm using the same weights, mind you, that I just used. And I'm pressing and all of a sudden I start feeling a tinge in my shoulder and it begins to be very painful and he looks at me and he's like you probably need to adjust the weight and I'm like I ain't adjusting the weight nobody else is adjusting their weight in this class I got this <laughs> and right about that time I realized maybe the coach is right and so I pick up a lower weight and I begin to press and I'm like okay all right this is still still burning, right, a little bit, but it's a good burn. It's kind of like the good kind. Like, this is actually my optimal weight. In church, what you could do two years ago, pre-pandemic, with your weights, your feet firmly on the ground, the challenge is that the circumstances and the situation has changed the game for everybody. And so what I could do here is now very different from what I can do here because I'm using different muscles. It's requiring me to use muscles that I didn't need up here. And so I had to adjust my weight. Church, can I tell you, we all just came through a global pandemic that's still hanging out. And sometimes it's okay to adjust your weight so that you can be healthy and you don't hurt yourself. Because if you keep trying to press the same weight, the same way that you were doing it before, you are at risk of hurting yourself. We are really good, especially in this DMV area. And for those of you who are not familiar with the acronym, DC, Maryland, Virginia, we tend to like to run hard and we want a full plate. And sometimes it's okay to adjust the weight because God wants you to go the distance, and he wants you to have peace, the peace that passes all understanding, that guards your heart and mind, no matter the circumstances. But it might require that you adjust some weight, that you adjust some weight. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Nobody wants to adjust the weight, because <laughs> that means I... I'm weak. Here's the good news. You know what God says? He says, fantastic. When you are weak, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And you will know it is not you. <laughs> it's God. It's God. We work so hard to avoid weakness. And here's the beautiful thing. In the kingdom, when we say, God, I'm feeling kind of weak. I'm feeling like this load is too heavy. God, I'm feeling like I need to adjust the weight. He says, fantastic, I've been waiting on you. <laughs> In fact, he says, Martha, Martha, I've been waiting on you to talk to me, honey. There's a different way. There's a different way to lift the load. Do you find yourself excessively working to manage the stress and anxiety in your life or escaping it on the other end of the continuum? Do you find yourself overstretching, overscheduling, overbusying yourself? When's the last time you stopped and asked God for help? Say, God, this, this is too hard for me. 
Because when we do that, we essentially say, I'm feeling kind of weak. But we got to get really good, church, at boasting <laughs> and saying, hey, in my weakness, God has an opportunity to show off. And that's what it's about. It's about him, not me. And that's an awesome perspective when we can begin to, to shift so that we can experience the peace that God is, is saying. We can't, we can't experience the peace of God if we continue to approach it the same way with the same weight. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For, and you notice he says souls. And I'm not saying you shouldn't nap because we should totally try to find at least one day a week you can take a quick nap. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This idea of a yoke, we don't see it a lot in our modern day context, but you've got two oxen who are very strong, right? And then you have this cross beam in between that actually holds the weight, right? It, it yokes them together and then it, it kind of bears the weight. And what Jesus is saying here, he's like, hey, take my yoke upon you. Because listen, when you do that, you yoke yourself with me, and I'm a bigger ox <laughs> than you are. And some of us think, oh, I'm so strong, I can do this. And he's saying, hey, the very thing, the very, and, and let's just call it what it is. Sometimes it's pride because we don't want to admit that we're in over our heads and that we need God's help. But he's saying, hey, if you'll just lean into me in your weakness and you'll yoke up with me, and we're going to talk about what it means to yoke up with Jesus, you can carry this, this weight because I can actually carry more weight than you can. And I will, I will give you what you need to go the, go the distance. And that's essentially, this is not a short game. This is not a short sprint. This is the long game that God wants us to play church. He doesn't want us to burn out. He wants us to go the long game and be a light to him in the world. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Has anybody experienced bad fruit when you're overstressed and anxious? You're like, oh, you're not very fun to be around right now. <laughs> I, I've never heard that ever in my life. <laughs> right? Like the fruit doesn't taste good. Like, how does that exemplify Jesus when we're running around anxious and worried, producing nasty fruit? God says, hey, hey, come to me when you're starting to feel overwhelmed and stressed. And I know that's the last thing you want to do because you're taking time away, but that's what I'm calling you to do so that you can produce good fruit. Galatians 5.23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You cannot produce that in your flesh. It has got to come with the power of the Holy Spirit and spending time with the Father. So I want you to ask God this week. Here's your practical challenge. Ready? Ask God, what areas am I over-functioning? What areas? And I want you to write it down. Because sometimes when you see that list physically with your eyes, you're like, whoa, 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 I've been putting a lot on myself, right? And you're able to actually see it. And you know what? In some cases, sometimes you'll have a list, and this has happened to me, and I feel like I'm like, no, there's actually nothing I am going to, can take off the list to lighten the load, but God is right there to say, hey, 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 in your weakness, I am strong. My grace is sufficient. 
There are seasons where he's going to ask you to do hard things. This is not, Jesus isn't going to not ask you to do hard things, but he's going to say, hey, hey, I'm right here. I, I, I want to help you. Where, I want you to help burden the weight. I want to help lift the weight off of you. Thank you for that, amen. Come on, I told you it's going to be more fun if you talk back to me. It's quiet in this church. Ask, dare to ask the people around you and closest to you for their honest feedback. Does my fruit stink? Yikes. The person giving the feedback, it is best if you wrap it in love before you respond. Do it with a humble heart. It will go down much smoother. It's important that you know your blind spots. If you are prone to over-functioning or under-functioning, you got to get somebody in your blind side. This is why it's so important, church. We say you cannot do life alone. Come out of isolation. We have been retrained to isolate, to protect us so we survive. It is time to come out. (laughs) Church, we have to begin to engage one another because you know why? We become the best versions of ourselves when we are right elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder with people who aren't like us. Don't you love how it just kind of gets to some of those blind spots? Mary and Martha, they were completely opposite, and yet they were perfect for each other. Because they both had ways and reasons to grow. God has got all of us in community for a reason. You know, as a busy, busy mom and, and co-leading this church with Jeremy, there are times where it gets overwhelming. Just like any of you carrying the weight and loads that you carry. And it is important, it is important that you do what you got to do. It is important to say, you know what, the busier I get, the more time I need with God. That is a different perspective, right, than what we would naturally in our flesh respond with. I don't have time for that. That's the very thing you need. So you can go the distance and be the best version of yourself, right? How many of you keep driving when the check engine light's on? Be honest. Had it happen just more recently. How many times do we keep driving when our emotional and mental health indicators are flashing? The dashboard indicators are on, but we're like, eh, I got somewhere to be. I got stuff to do. I don't have time for that. I'll deal with that when it breaks. Sometimes it breaks you. Now, for some of you, you are wired, and I can identify with you. Sometimes you have to push your limits to find your limits. Okay. When you do... Put some parameters around you so that you can outsmart yourself. Put people in your blind side so you don't run out of gas again. It's really important to know yourself in that way. (laughs) It's time to pull over and refuel just as you would your car. Matthew 3.8 says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. It's really simple. When we begin to get in this place and you start to smell the bad fruit and you start to feel overwhelmed and anxious, we have to stop and we have to say, God, I'm sorry because I know this is not your best for me and I want your peace. And we got to practice. We got to get really good church at giving it to him. God, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to do this in my own flesh. I need to give it to you. In some cases, some of you are over busy, over scheduled, and you're going to have to take, you're going to have to start marking out some things. But for many of you, your load is your load, and God's graced you to do it. So now you just need to take more breaks. And I don't mean go take a nap for 30 minutes. I mean 
okay, this is feeling overwhelmed. Let me practice some of the things that God has wired us for. Let me take some deep breaths. Let me move my body. Let me do some of the practical things that he's given us to manage it, right? Mind the checks. Number two, stop comparing. Start getting right perspective. We see that Martha was clearly had had some private thoughts about her sister that had manifest in yelling at Jesus, right? And this was likely an ongoing tension that they had felt for years. This was nothing new because we know that because Jesus is like, whoa, Martha this, Martha, this actually doesn't have anything to do with Mary. This actually has something to do with the fact that you're worried and upset about many things. We're taking this, you're having an, an overreaction to this situation, which is also a dashboard indicator that something else is going on inside. And we see Mary's compared herself to her sister, which, by the way, comparison by definition, according to Webster, actually means the act of evaluating two or more things, essentially, we're assuming judgment, right? That somehow, my way is better. (laughs) And so, it's really important that we're not comparing ourselves, because that's not what Jesus is doing here. He's not comparing Mary's way of sitting at his feet to Jesus. He's saying, Hey, you're both wired very differently, but you both need me. (laughs) You both need time in my presence. In fact, when we open this door to comparison, we actually become very discontented. And social media hasn't helped us, right? You don't get invited to the party, or you're not invited, or it looks like people are having world travels over here, and their life is beautiful, and they have no troubles. And the reality is that you are, in this moment, you are comparing your worst and low moment with somebody's highlight reel. And what you don't know is that they went through some stuff, and we'll just call it stuff, all year long to have that vacation for a couple days. We don't think like that. We think, man, their life is great and mine is terrible, right? So we have to be careful because when we open that door, we actually invite a whole host of guests that we didn't invite. When we entertain jealousy and comparison and measuring sticks and judgment, here's what we actually reap. We reap the opposite because that was the the enemy's intent. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what John 10.10 says. And he wants to steal your peace and steal your joy. So shut the door on it. Here's a practical step. The very thing that you're jealous about, go and bless the heck out of somebody that's getting on your nerves because it looks like they have the best life. Start doing the opposite until you train your flesh to have God's response and to be grateful where you are with what you have. Don't give in to FOMO. (laughs) Listen, this is for somebody. What God has for you, he has for you. I tell my kids all the time. I pull my, you know, especially when comparison starts to creep in there and I have an eight-year-old girl, I'm like, look. Look at your fingerprint. No one else on the planet has your fingerprint. Nobody. She's like, oh, but they look the same. But they're not. They're actually not because the original creator gave you, he broke the mold with you, baby. He broke the mold with you. And every moment you spend comparing yourself is a moment that you are robbing yourself of being the unique gift that God created you to be to the world. The other piece is the right perspective. Martha didn't have the right perspective 
because she viewed God as you don't care for me. You don't care for me. And so if we're not careful, what your current view of God is actually shapes your world. This is why worldview is so important. Your view of God will shape a thousand lesser things. In fact, A.W. Tozer says, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What are you thinking about yourself? What do you think about God when you're struggling? Is he a distant dictator God who's, I used to read this text, and I'd be like, man, Martha's about to, she's going to get thrown down. Like, she's, she's going to the principal's office. Jesus is about to rebuke her for not being like your sister. That is not at all what Jesus is doing. At all. He's saying, hey, baby girl, son, I know how you're wired. I know your tendencies. Your blind spots don't scare me. In fact, I'm going to teach you a better way on how to manage you. And that is going to be contingent upon you spending time with me and getting the affirmation that you need from me so you don't get it from anybody else. That's the only way you're going to become everything that I've called you to be. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, We do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves, are you tired yet? With themselves, they are not wise. You are wise, Catalyst Church. You are wise. And God has called us higher. Let's shut the door on comparison. Let's get a right view of our Father. He's a loving Father. He's a loving father who wants you to become everything that he's called you to be. James 3.16 says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every evil practice. You entertain comparison. You invite the thief to come into your house. What or who are you comparing yourself to? In fact, Hebrews 12.1.2 this might be one you need to write on your mirror. So for those of you who like a clean and spotless mirror, you need to do this for your own sanity. You need to be like, it's okay that I have writing on my mirror, and you need to read it every single day. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Sometimes, in order not to compare and to get right perspective, we got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Live for the audience of one. Come on, y'all getting quiet in this church. You want me to hurry up? We're on, we're on, we're on uh, point three. Stop worrying and start trusting. Stop worrying. Luke 10, 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. We see that Jesus is calling her. He's summoning her by name and you notice that he didn't call her by name until she came to him. Part of that is knowing who she was. But she's kind of one of those women that just needed to figure it out on her own right? And so he, he waits until she approaches him. And then you notice he calls her name twice. Scholars believe that when God calls your name twice, you better listen. Come on now, when my children, when I say your middle name, mama's not playing anymore. 
Like, I'm not playing. My patience has ran out, right? And so Jesus is saying, Martha, Martha. We know that Martha's name is actually translated lady. Some scholars think it means boss lady. So what he's saying is, hey, boss lady, I know you're used to running things, but let me tell you something. I'm calling you daughter. I'm giving you a promotion today. Jesus, scholars believe that God does two things. He Number one, he calls you twice to get your attention. This tells me that he tried to get her attention before, but now she's listening. Number two, he's given her a promotion, a promotion. Listen, boss lady is not your identity. Daughter is. Boss man, CEO, that is not your first name. Son is. And as sons and daughters, we have to hear from the Father so that we don't take on any other identities that can distract us from living in the peace that God promises us. Church, our identity isn't wrapped around the axle of ups and downs in our performance. It's God alone. It's God alone. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This word cast actually means to throw. So this is not like, I'm going to toss it. Right? This is not a bean toss. This is a football throw. We've got, when we begin to feel the stress, the anxiety, the worries of life, we got to pick that thing up and we've got to throw it like you don't want it to come back. And we have to spend time with the Father when he calls our name. Don't ignore it. Take the moments in your everyday life. You don't need hours on end. You just need to tune your ear to heaven. When I drop my kids off in the morning and I have a list that's longer than I can get done in the time that I have, God help me. I feel like I failed today. I've already failed and it's not even 9 o'clock. God, would you help me prioritize my, my schedule, prioritize the things I need to get done. Help me to do what matters to you. CEO, vice president, doctor, you got to do the same. Every day, there's more tasks than is possible. But we got to do the first thing first. Let's be with the Father so he can direct our day and he can yoke up with us and carry the weight. Do you know this word cast actually means to throw something on someone or something that is stronger than you? Which admits weakness, right? So let's just embrace our weakness and toss that baby. <laughs> Give it to him. Give it to him. Psalms 55, 22 says, cast your cares upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Guys, I took my, my kids on a quick little, little mama trip. Um, they were off school, and I decided to take some time to reconnect with my kids. And <laughs> the dashboard indicators of my vehicle were coming on. And I was far from home, away from Jeremy, and um, at, at risk of embarrassing myself totally. I'm just going to put this out there. Um, I have never ran out of gas. Like, okay, one time, maybe. But I was so distracted <laughs> because I had my, my son saying, Mom, I have to go to the bathroom. You have to stop. And I'm like, okay, okay, seriously, Jeremy, I mean, you know, Judah, is, is it a five on a scale of one to five? Or like you have to kind of pee or like you really have to pee? Like where are we here, right? And then I have my daughter saying like, I need another snack. And I'm like, uh, that bag was supposed to last the entire trip. And it's gone. It's gone. So I don't have anything else. And then my other daughter is asleep, and I'm like, you never, ever wake a sleeping baby. 
Never. Especially if you have to go mask them up and get them out of the car and go to the bathroom. You're like, don't touch that. Don't touch it. It's just like gross, right? It's just so stressful. So I eventually noticed with all this distraction going on that my lights were coming on. And I was like, oh, okay, I got 15 minutes. 15 minutes to my destination. Surely I can push it. Next thing I know, my car going at 65 miles an hour on a highway is now at a stop. I have just enough gas to roll off the highway. It's 30 degrees, mind you, outside. So I'm about to lose my heater. I'm in the middle of nowhere, off the road, and my heart begins to pound. (laughs) Come on, how many times has your heart started to pound with your current internal state that only you know? It's time. It's time. That means you've actually pushed your gas tank too far. And, and probably you should have stopped a couple exits back and gotten gas, but you got distracted by all the stuff. Come on, church, it's time. It's time to take a step back, and I want to give you some practicals for this week. Can I challenge you? Thank you for that. <laughs> write down everything that's stressing and worrying you. Go ahead, write it down. It's good for you to see it. Because sometimes you think, man, what's wrong with me? No, you're just not like superhuman. You are not God. But you're trying to be. Because if I don't believe that I have somebody to toss it on that's stronger than me, then I become God. And I think I can do it myself. Right? It's like the classic tale of our humanity. So we have to repent for worrying. We have to repent for overstressing, overstretching, and pushing ourselves beyond limitation. Dishonoring our bodies. The God signals that God's already put inside of us to say, whoa, too much. Take a deep breath. Take a walk around the block. Take a vacation. You've, by the way, you have like 15 vacation days that you never use. They keep piling up. That's what they're there for. Your employer will actually thank you for it because they want you refreshed, full of vision for your assignment. Take it. That's for somebody too. Your vacation days are there for you to take it. Take it. That was assignment. Ask God what he has in exchange for you. After you repent, God, what, do you ha- what will you give me in exchange for this stress and this worry? Whatever he tells you, write it down. I'm speaking to you because I know that God speaks to you. But if you don't feel quite confident that you're hearing God's voice, look up every scripture you can possibly look up. Use the Google. Find God's word. We have promise books out on the table. It's kind of like a quick checklist with like lots of topics that are common to all of us as human beings. And it's just a quick reference guide. Do what you got to do. Keep renewing your mind in that area. And every time that ball tries to come back that you tossed, you got to go to your new thoughts. You're making new neural pathways, right? It's no longer only me doing it. It's Jesus. I am, I am yoked up with the Father, and he's helping me lift my burden because I know I'm weak, but he is strong. And you're going to begin to get your breath back. And you're going to be able to move forward into everything that he has for you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. You know, the father of the, the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther, he has a quote that um, I want to reference. And essentially, he says, the more I have to do, the more I need to pray, which is so opposite of how we typically approach it, right? The first, first problem we have, we're, we're trying to tackle it by ourselves, but he's saying, hey, the more responsibility, the more weight you're carrying, the more you should be praying. And so I want to encourage you to do that, and I want you to take 
those scriptures, those things, the, the truth that God gives you, and every time the enemy tries to throw it back in your face, every time you start to feel weighted down by the anxieties and worries of life, I want you to begin fighting with the word. Do you know that the word of God is a sword? It's called the sword of the spirit. And it actually has the ability, not alone, but with the power of the Holy Spirit, to take down strongholds. Where do strongholds happen? In our minds. We have to renew our mind and make some new pathways so that we can see the power of God alive in our lives, church. I want to do something as we close. Jesus says, don't worry, Matthew 6, 34. Don't worry about tomorrow. It has enough worries of its own. So what I want you to do is I want you to just, if you feel comfortable, if you don't, totally fine. Just out of reverence for everybody having their moment with God. This is you and Jesus. Why don't you just close your eyes for a second if you feel comfortable. And some of you may need to put a hand out. Some may put two hands out. Maybe put a foot in there. I don't know. But this represents the worries that you're carrying. What are the worries and the weights that you, that are just right now, you brought in this morning into the house of God. You brought them in with you. I want you to put them in your hands. Symbolically, open your hands if you feel comfortable. And then, and then we're just going to give it a minute. So you can just, we're carving out space for you and God. Just to, to, Last week we learned about breathing. Take a deep breath. You can calm down your amygdala and put it back in place. You have to just calm down. And then I want you, when you feel comfortable, please don't hurt anyone. Just throw it. Just throw it. Give it a shot, put, push. Throw it. Throw it. It's just a symbol. God, this is yours. I'm no longer carrying it by myself. I'm no longer going to try to do this in my flesh. I confess I am too weak to carry all this on top of the stressors of, of a global pandemic. God, it's yours. Would you begin to rewire me? There you go. Give it another minute. There's some of you here that Maybe this is the first time you've heard of that there's actually someone else who's stronger than you to carry your burden, that loves you, that cares for you, that wants to walk alongside of you. And we don't ever want to close a service at Catalyst without giving you an opportunity to make that decision. And I'm, I'm going to ask Jeremy to come in a minute, but I, I just want to, while we're in this posture, I just want to pray over you. Because I believe, church, I had this moment myself personally. There was some weight that was weighing me down, and, and I did this in private. Can I tell you something shifted in me? Today can be that day for you. It can be a shifting day that, that you walk out lighter. You are not meant to carry this alone.